What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Turn on the Jets podcast. I'm your host, Joe Caparoso, owner of TurnOnTheJets.com. We have two different guests today, uh, which we will get to in a minute. First, we're going to be joined by Charles McDonald, who is at 4Verts on Twitter. He does a lot of great film and analytics work for football outsiders. We're going to talk about... Kirk Cousins, uh, if he is worth what the Jets will potentially pay him, along with draft options for the Jets at quarterback and second-tier free agent options if they can't get Cousins. Then we're going to talk with Grant Paulson, uh, who is a D.C. media personality, hosts a radio show down down there, uh, has had Kirk Cousins on his radio show every week over the past year and knows him really well, has covered him throughout his career. We're going to focus on Cousins' time with the Redskins and how he would potentially fit with the Jets, along with get his prediction on where Cousins ultimately will sign. Before we dive into that, I want to remind you guys that the podcast is brought to you by Prime Sport, official sponsor and team partner of the New York Jets. Make sure to go to primesport.com backslash turn on the Jets to learn more about it. They will also have different sporting events this offseason where you could get involved and get some different ticket and hospitality packages, including the Big East Tournament and March Madness. So follow them on Twitter and Facebook at Primesport and check out primesport.com slash turn on the Jets. The podcast is also brought to you by our friends at Razor Sport. That's R-A-Z-E-R-S-P-O-R-T dot com. The best in the business for betting consultants. Uh, with March Madness coming up with the NBA going on, make sure you check out Razorsport.com and follow Razor Sport Club on Twitter for all of their best bets and information on joining their members section. That's R-A-Z-E-R-S-P-O-R-T dot com. Always make sure to check out Prime Sport and Razor Sport. Supporters, friends of the podcast, helping us keep rolling here. Also want to update that now, outside of the podcast being available on iTunes and on our Turn on the Jets website and Libsyn, it is now available on Google Play for your Android users. So just search Turn on the Jets on Google Play and it will come up. It should also be available on Spotify at the end of the week if you want to search for the podcast there as well. So now available on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Libsyn, and our .com site. Let's get into our interviews. We're going to start off with uh, Charles McDonald. All right, and today's first guest is going to be Charles McDonald. He is at 4Verts on Twitter. Uh, he does a lot of great film and analytics work for Football Outsiders, among a few other sites. Charles, thank you for taking the time for joining us today. Oh, thanks for having me on. You know, it's a, it's a fun time of year now that we get to do the whole uh, off-season speculation routine, but uh, there's, a, there's, some, uh, there's a lot to talk about this year. It is the funnest time of the year for Jet fans when you're in a seven-year playoff drought. This is, this is when all the action happens. you got to get excited. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm just used to the Falcons hurting me every year in the playoffs, so <laughs> it, it's a little bit of a different pain. <laughs> yeah, I, I hear you. I, I, listen, I'd take some of that pain back. I got a little of that in 2009 and 2010. It feels like a thousand years ago at this point, sadly. Yeah, yeah. All right. Games. So... The, num- the most popular person among Jet fans right now is Kirk Cousins, who is obviously going to leave the Washington Redskins uh, with them trading for Alex Smith. Big picture, what are your thoughts on Cousins, where he fits in the league, and do you think it is wise for a team like the Jets to make him the highest-paid quarterback in the NFL as the answer to fixing their never-ending quarterback problems? Well, I, I think Kirk Cousins is a guy who's probably you know a top 10 quarterback and it's weird because you usually don't see these guys hit the market like this but you know Washington does what they did and they they screwed it up for themselves and uh, they had to go and trade for Alex Smith but you know, he's a guy that, that's interesting to me because coming into the year I wasn't too high on him just because when you I thought when you look back at it, his 2016 
a lot of his big plays were helped by you know, Deshaun, Jocks, Deshaun Jackson, uh, you know, tracking balls down the field, or Pierre Garçon making uh, cleaning up some of his errant throws. But this year, I, I wanted to see what he could do because I felt like that supporting cast took a huge drop off from what they had in 2016 to what they had uh, in 2017 this past season. And I thought that this was the first year that he kind of elevated the rest of the supporting cast around him because you know Terrell Pryor was pretty much a no-show for the season. Uh, Jordan Reed was in and out of the lineup. So you're really working with Jameson Crowder, who's a good player in his own right, and, uh, and Ryan Grant. And, you know, those guys aren't really superstar talents or really even star talents. So to see him kind of come above that and make throws where it was where more where he's throwing them open and uh, he, he's not making as many errant throws as he was in the past. I'm, I, I think he's a guy that, you know, it's you don't really want to give that much money to any one quarterback except like Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady. But if you have to get a quarterback and maybe you want to draft another position at six, and yeah, it, I think it does make sense to go throw money at Kirk Cousins. Do you buy um, some of the criticisms of him that he basically, if you put, if you put that much money into him, you cannot build a strong enough supporting cast around him to be anything more than maybe the AFC's version of the Lions, where you're sort of going to be stuck in this sort of eight and eight to nine and seven range because you need to put so much help around him that you wouldn't be able to do uh, with him taking up technically that much of your cap space. Or do you think that look, even with that type of investment? Uh, if you spend and draft wisely around him, you could build a team that could be a credible contender with how the AFC is currently structured. Yeah, I, I think you could just because in the AFC, uh, you know, it, it's hard to break into that. Uh, I guess that Patriots Steelers tier where they're always playing for Super Bowls. But, you know, the Jaguars, they were a quarterback away from probably being the number one seed in the AFC. And if you had someone like Kirk Cousins on that team, yeah, sure. Like if you if you if you can afford that, then uh, if you like if you already have the team around it or you have a little bit of a nucleus, then yeah, I think he can be a guy. But it's going to be a lot. Uh, you know, a lot of it's going to rely on how well you draft because I, I, I'm assuming he's going to get like 28 plus per year, uh, maybe even more than 30 because of, because of what Washington did with those franchise tags. Uh, so yeah, it's possible. You know, like like I said earlier, he's not an Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady uh, type of player where he's just going to drag no matter who's around him to the playoffs every season. I think he's a top 10 quarterback, but he's still going to need some help around him uh, and his supporting staff. Looking at the Jets staff uh, as it stands right now, last year they had John Morton as their offensive coordinator. He was somewhat surprisingly fired after one season. I think Morton was a pleasant surprise for most of the year. Struggled a little bit more down the stretch. The Jets ultimately finished, I think, 28th in total offense, although a large part of that could be attributed to having Josh McCown and Bryce Petty playing quarterback and a limited uh, roster of options at running back and receiver, although Robbie Anderson and Jermaine Curse did have fairly productive seasons. What did you think about the work Morton did uh, as a play caller and as a first-time offensive coordinator? And then what do you think about Jeremy Bates, who was likely to become the new offensive coordinator? Well, I, I thought Morton did a, a great job this year just because when we came into the season, everyone was predicted in the Jets have by far the worst offense in the league. I mean, just when you looked at Josh McCown, who was coming off a pretty awful season in Cleveland, and then uh, off the offensive line turmoil, and uh, just not having a real household name at receiver, and then you have Quincy Noonwell getting hurt. So, 
uh, I think given the talent that he had, for them not to have the worst offense in the league or for them to even have a respectable offense this year is fairly amazing. So for him to get uh, let go like that, that was kind of strange because really everybody on that offense had a career season ex- except for Malforte, but he's kind of a, a running back that's been over the hill for a little bit now. So just to, to get that production out of that, out of that group of players, I thought was <laughs> was borderline incredible. And you know, they had the big game against the chiefs where they put up uh, 38 points before Josh McCown got hurt. So I don't really know what went wrong there for him to lose his job. Probably some friction with uh, Todd Bowles. Maybe the players hated him, or I, I don't know. But he was productive there with Bates. I don't really know. I, you know, the last OC job he had was the Seahawks in 2010, and I was I was barely really paying attention to football like like this back then. Yeah, I think what's been interesting with Bates is that he does seem, which this is kind of a good and a bad thing, because it does feel like he sort of has a lot of, a good reputation within the media. Everyone's saying glowing things about him, he's apparently great with X's and O's, he's he's a genius, but, and I, and I get that he did very good work with Denver a long time ago, 10 years ago, and since then, you know, he had the one year as the OC, and then was out of the league for four years, so I don't know, I worry, because the league also loved Hugh Jackson before he became, you know, the Browns head coach, so I, I just get concerned about that, but... Look, he's going to have an opportunity here likely to be the guy, so it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. Looking around uh, at the rest of the Jets' potential quarterback situation, let's say they go in on Kirk Cousins, which I expect them to, but ultimately he signs with Denver or another team. Who would you think that the Jets would be most likely with to potentially end up with at number six? It sounds like there are some... People thinking, based on McCagnan's history of drafting, that he'd be more prone to take somebody like Josh Allen, which makes many Jet fans want to jump out of a window, while it sounds like more Jet fans would be interested in potentially taking Baker Mayfield or Josh Rosen if he happened to fall that far. What what do you think this is going to play out like in the top five picks, and where does that leave the Jets at six overall if they need a quarterback? Well, you know, it's kind of difficult to forecast right now because I would guess that I mean, just looking from the outside in, I think you're going to have some combination of uh, Josh Rosen and Sam Donald as the first and second overall picks. Um, I'm not sure if Cleveland's going to take Donald or uh, or if they're going to take Rosen, but you know, it's just kind of it's kind of fun to joke on Twitter that oh, they're going to take the, the Josh Allen number one, but I I don't really actually see that happening. It just it would just be kind of peak Browns funny stuff, but. Uh, I think if, at six, if you're going to run the same offense you did this year that John Morton did, in with the results that you got, considering the amount of talent you have, I don't think that I don't see why you wouldn't run that same offense. I think Baker Mayfield's like the perfect fit because they were running a lot of air raid stuff, uh, stuff that you see, uh, you know, K- Cliff Kingsbury run at Texas Tech or uh, stuff that uh, Lincoln Riley was running at Oklahoma. They ran a lot of those, you know, mirror passing concepts where. Uh, it's it's not difficult to read for the quarterbacks, but you can still generate explosive plays. And then with Baker, you can kind of add another option element to the offense that maybe you couldn't do uh, as well with Josh McCown. So I, I think that Baker, if you're going to go in the draft, he's probably the best fit for the Jets. Now, it's just kind of, uh, I guess, I guess would they pull the trigger on him based on their history of drafting taller quarterbacks? Taller, inaccurate, bad <laughs> quarterbacks like Christian Hackenberg, yeah. yes. And Bryce uh, Petty. And Bryce Petty, <laughs> who they traded up for, which I try not to think about. Um, outside of Cousins, and let's say the draft route gets shaken up and they don't want to go that route, who else that you think is going to switch teams that's a veteran this year? Who's sort of like, what does that second tier look like, and how would you 
prioritize them. Let's say the Jets want to get a veteran, uh, but they're not going to get Cousins. In that sort of next batch of veterans who will switch teams this year, where do you think the best value might be found uh, if you were looking for a veteran quarterback? Uh, I think if you want to go that route, I would kind of just wait and see what happens with the Vikings quarterback situation because there's just so many moving pieces there because obviously Case Keelum, he had a season, I think, way better than anyone thought he was ever capable of having this year. And he kind of imploded in that NFC Championship game, to put it kindly, uh, against the Eagles. So his future there is kind of murky. I think that, you know, you have two real wild cards in Teddy Bridgewater and Sam Bradford, where Teddy, I I mean, I I think he's a, a pretty good quarterback when he's healthy, but that's just such a wild card because he hasn't played in about two years now. So uh, and then you got Sam Bradford, who I, I think is a really talented player. But with his knee situation, you just you, you can't bank on him ever being uh, the number, you know, or you can't bank on him being a guy that's going to play all 16 games, you know, your number one quarterback for years to come. So, it, you know, I think you kind of watch that situation. And then if you're <laughs> if, if you're uh, convinced of uh the last two playoff games, maybe you could take a swing at Nick Foles, see what uh, see what Philly would take to uh, let him go off the roster. But I feel like we've kind of seen who Nick Foles actually is, and that's probably not the route you want to go. Always fun trying to figure out a quarterback when you don't have one. Uh, Charles, thank you again for joining us. Everyone make sure to follow him on Twitter. He's at 4 does a ton of great work for Football Outsiders and a handful of other sites. Thanks again for joining us, man. Thanks for having me. And now we are back with Grant Paulson, who was nice enough to join us today. He is a host on the Grant and Danny Show at 106.7 The Fan, a sports reporter at Fox 5 DC, uh, also works for NBC Washington, among a host of other things. Going to talk some Kirk Cousins with us. Grant, thank you for taking the time for joining us. My pleasure, Joe. Thank you, man. So... All Jet fans are talking about this offseason is Kirk Cousins. I think many of them have seen him play in passing over the past few years. I think they look at his numbers and his production and how that holds up to every Jet quarterback in franchise history and are are understandably excited about the potential of uh, paying him to be the highest played payer in the NFL, which is where it seems this is going to end for him, whether it's with the Jets or another team. I guess at a high level, what are your thoughts on what you saw from Cousins during his time in Washington? And what what are your feelings and what is the general feeling within the fan base about his time as a starting quarterback coming to an end? Well, Cousins proved to be a viable NFL starter as a floor. He's a guy that every single week, over 17 weeks and 16 games, is going to give you a chance to win football games. If you look at his numbers, as you said, the production's tremendous. Some of that has to do with the fact that Jay Gruden designed pretty good passing offense. You look at the success Andy Dalton had under him when he was the coordinator in Cincinnati. Dalton at one point led the NFL with 33 passing touchdowns. So I think you can kind of, in some way, give Gruden a little bit of credit for developing Cousins. Pretty much everybody that has worked under Jay Gruden since he's been in Washington at that position has gotten better. But Cousins has done it regardless of who was calling the plays. With Kyle Shanahan early on, had some strong performances came off the bench as a backup to beat the Ravens in a game where the Redskins came back and went to overtime. His first start of his NFL career under Mike and Kyle Shanahan was a tremendous performance on the road against a pretty good Cleveland defense in December as the Redskins made a playoff run back in 2012. Uh, He did it under Jay Gruden with Sean McVay calling plays. Now the head coach of the Rams, 
who is Cousins' favorite coach he's ever played for, I think, and, and has a great relationship with the quarterback even still. In 2015, when Cousins lit it up in the second half and the Redskins won the division, and then when Sean McVay left, he's done it now with Jay Gruden calling plays as well. So there's no one coach that's been linked to him that you can say is the reason for his success. There's no run offensive design. They've kind of done some different things. Uh, he had great success with very good weapons around him, like Jordan Reed, who's you know, a fringe all-pro tight end, and Deshaun Jackson and Pierre Garçon are 1,000-yard wide receivers. Those two guys left this past year, and he was throwing the ball uh, to tight ends and, and running backs who weren't Jordan Reed and who weren't his projected starter uh, coming into the season. And he still put up 4,000 yards in mid-20s touchdowns and, and top 10 totals almost across the board universally statistically. So I think he's a good player. I, I think he's the kind of guy, there are a bunch of players like this, he is not elite. You know, he is not one of the five or six best quarterbacks in football. I think for much of the season, you know, he plays in the top 10 level. I would rank him somewhere between like 9 and 12 in the NFL. Uh, but he's the kind of guy you can win with. So if you're asking, is he worth paying the highest amount of money that's ever been paid to a player? Well, no, but the townhouse that I bought near Washington, D.C. isn't worth what I paid for it either. And this is what the market dictates. In a league where you either have a quarterback that you can make a run with or you don't, uh, he is on a binary one or zero, a one. You can win with this guy. You've got to find a way to get him under contract at a deal that still allows you to build around him because at a dependent position, he's going to need some help. And if he's going to be better than what he's been here in Washington, which is around 500 the last three years as a starter, it's going to take a good defensive performance when he's on the sideline looking at plays for the next uh, huddle that, that he pulls out from the field and the Redskins have not had a defense good enough to allow them to have that kind of team success. So that would be the big key is get them under contract. I think he'll be able to move the football and score points for you. It doesn't turn the ball over a ton. He's cut down on some of his early career issues in that regard, but it's going to be about trying to build around him to establish a defensive core and be able to win some games in the 27 to 20 kind of range. Cause he's going to compete and keep you in games. Based on, the kind of person he is and his time in Washington. We Right now it sounds like the Jets, Denver, potentially Arizona and Minnesota, maybe Buffalo and Cleveland will be in the mix for him. What do you think are going to be the key things that drive his decision on where he goes? I think he's going to get paid wherever he goes. He's going to get a higher contract than Matthew Stafford. But when it comes down to it, what does a team like the Jets need to do to differentiate themselves from the other teams making a pitch to him? And what do you think is going to be the ultimate deciding factor and where he decides that he wants to be for the next four or five years? Yeah, I've gotten to know Cousins pretty well over the last few years, initially on the beat in the locker room, day in and day out, spending time with him, more recently doing a show in Washington, D.C. that Cousins joined every single week, uh, each football season over the last three years. And I think what I would say is, first of all, money, like with any player, is going to be a factor. I mean, clearly, it's going to be important. I don't think he's just going to take some hometown discount for an organization when there's a bidding war taking place that he has no connection to. But that said, I think there are a lot of players who would go get the highest payday. He's not going to do that. If this was just about money, he would have resigned in Washington. It took a while, but the Redskins did come around on him in the last calendar year. And they would have paid him very handsomely to be their quarterback. I think team owner Daniel Snyder, who initially was not really a Cousins guy because uh, his beloved quarterback, Robert Griffin, who started over Cousins, didn't work out. Snyder was willing to write a check, you know, hand a blank check over and say, let's get this thing done. Uh, there was water under the bridge already, though, because Cousins didn't have a great relationship with team president Bruce Allen. And there was, I think, in his 
belief, some trepidation as to whether or not the Redskins with their current front office could build a winner culturally. It's been so long since they have. So I think the number one priority for him is going to be going somewhere where he can win pretty quickly. Uh, that doesn't necessarily mean it's a team that has to have been in a, in a championship round game lately, but a team where he can see that a culture and a coaching staff is in place that has a chance to be competitive. Can they be nine and seven, 10 and six within the first couple seasons and get to the playoffs? Can they get hot and go on a run and, and rip off some playoff wins? People don't see like the Eagles just did who were underdogs three straight postseasons, and, and we saw that with the Giants back in 2007 as well when they were underdogs three straight postseason games. He wants to go somewhere where he, he has a really good working relationship and respects greatly the, the person on the offensive staff who he can grow with and be tight with and be buddies with. I mean, he really liked Kyle Shanahan. They were very close. He really liked Sean McVay. Him and Jay Gruden have worked decently together. The relationship I don't think was as warm or as jovial and friendly. While it was good, don't get me wrong, as those other two guys who I think he really loved and enjoyed working with. And, and uh, not coincidentally, loved him back. I mean, they both, I think, think more highly of him than Jay Gruden probably does. So I think that's important to him. Who's your quarterback's coach? Who's your offensive coordinator? What kind of system do they run? Is it comparable to the one he's been running? And then the last thing of the big three items here would be after trying to win in the relationships with the people that have to put him in a position to thrive, the money and making sure that that's right. And it's not going to be the big picture, $180 million. It's the guaranteed money because that is the way that the team is going to show the commitment that the Redskins were never really willing to make going year to year with him. I think he wants to be married, not dated. And he, he's going to want a pretty substantial guarantee from whatever team he goes to that he's there and he can set up shop and his wife, Julie, and his baby Cooper and their growing family can stay in one city for an extended period of time. Part of what you had said is why some Jet fans are potentially excited because he said positive things about their new offensive coordinator, Jeremy Bates. And I think a high amount of Jet fans are trying to talk themselves into Jeremy Bates potentially being the next sort of iteration of, you know, Sean McVay, sort of this savvy play caller who comes from the Shanahan system. Obviously, we'll have to see how that plays out. If you had to guess right now, two-part question, where do you think Cousins ultimately ends up next year? And what do you think Wash what type of team do you think Washington is with Alex Smith next year? Are they better than they were this year? Are they back in that nine and seven range? Or are they going to take a step back overall as a team and at the quarterback position going from Cousins to Alex Smith? As far as Cousins destination first, if I had to put money down, I would put it on the Denver Broncos. I think that is the destination that makes the most sense because while I don't think they're as close as everybody else seems to. I saw them in person in December, and they're a lot more than a quarterback away at this point. I, I think they got a lot of improving to do with an aging defense and the skill positions, staying healthy, being able to run the ball, protecting the quarterback. But I do think compared to some of the other teams, whether that's the Jets or the Cleveland Browns, uh, that are viable options. They are closer. I also think they're absolutely not equivocally going to go with a veteran quarterback. They played the kid game, and that did not work out. So Denver, to me, is the favorite. I think the Jets are probably the best of the rest in terms of options, narrowly ahead of, I would say, teams like Arizona. Uh, I, I see Cleveland as a great option, other than I don't think their new offensive coordinator, Todd Haley's system, is a really good fit for Cousins. But if you look at the amount of money they have, the picks they've got, two in the top five, one of whom probably is going to be Saquon Barkley. And you could really surround him with more talent to Josh Gordon and David Njoku and Corey Coleman and Duke Johnson. I, I would want to play there if I was a quarterback, if I thought I could play well in Haley's system. 
But I would say the Broncos, then the Jets, maybe then the Cardinals, unless a team like Minnesota that's close would get in on the fray, deciding to forego the three options they've got internally. In terms of the Redskins, quickly, I would say this. Alex Smith is a good starting NFL quarterback who gives you a chance to kind of stay afloat in that 500 mix. They were staring down the barrel at the bottom falling out and when Cousins left, entering quarterback ineptitude for several years, which is where they've been, and Jets fans can relate. And the Redskins haven't had a franchise quarterback pre-Cousins for basically a quarter century. They are the only team other than the Browns to have not won 11 games since they last won a Super Bowl in the early 90s, believe it or not. So that was the fear is that they were going to go the Colt McCoy, draft the first rounder, Josh Allen. He'll not be successful because this front office doesn't always hit on first round picks. And that was kind of the fear. But by going to getting Alex Smith, I think what they did is they raised the floor. They have to surround him now with a lot of talent on defense. They're not very good on that side of the ball. They need more players. They need more high-profile performers that can make an impact. And on offense, they need another wide receiver. They probably need help at running back. The only area where they're set seems to be tight end and and on the offensive line at this point. So I would say they're probably a 7-9 and or 8-8 and team. I think they got a little bit worse at quarterback. Alex Smith is an older version of Kirk Cousins who's much more mobile and a better runner but not as good a passer. He also will throw fewer interceptions. He'll also throw fewer touchdowns. I mean, the dude's been in the league starting for 12 seasons, and he went over 4,000 yards and over 23 touchdowns for the first time last year. So all the talk about how good he is, I think, is recency effect after a tremendous breakout season. But he's 33 years old. I think he'll be fine, and I think the team will be around 500. The question is how much can you add around him with some of the money you're saving? They saved a few million bucks in cap space. So can you get a couple defensive starters for that? If their defense improves and they run the ball better, they'll be a better team. If not, they won't be as good because Smith is not going to be able to carry them the way that Cousins did last year. But if I had to guess right now, I'd say they'll be about 8-8. Eight and eight. And with a couple good signings on defense and a good draft, I could see them going over 500. All right, Grant, thank you for joining us. Everyone, please make sure to go follow him on Twitter at Grant Paulson. He is a host on 106.7 The Fan and a sports reporter for Fox 5 DC. Grant, thank you again for joining us. Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you, Joe.